Thank you for tuning in to a couple of Kimer's podcasts. I am your co-host, Francesca. People call me Frankie. And I'm your co-host, Christopher. People call me Chris. We want to start off the episode with Attitude Attitude of of Gratitude. And this is the part where we say what what we are grateful for. So I am grateful for um, all of the home construction renovations that we have been currently doing to make our home better. Um, We do want to eventually move, but since we're here now, just making it a home as much as possible. So I'm grateful for that. How about you, babe? For me, I'm grateful for not only those renovations because the fence is definitely looking nice and can't wait for the next set of things to come along that we're um, adding on to the house. But grateful for the weather actually changing and mm-hmm. slowly getting warmer. You know, it's nice to not have to always be cold or deal with the cold or deal with snow in some type of way so it's nice for the weather to actually change for the nicer parts or the nicer seasons and I'm grateful for March Madness being back and being able to indulge and immerse myself with this college basketball tournament so that's that's been really nice so I'm, I'm grateful for those things yeah even though by the time this airs it'll be over yeah well, but that's all right. I'm I'm just glad that they're able to enjoy. have it this year. Yes, get a little bit back to normal. Been two years. Yes. Wow, it's crazy. What do you mean two years? Well, they didn't have it last year because of the virus. So, oh, so it'll have this was two years. Okay, yeah. two years. I get it. Okay, I because I was thinking you only they only canceled it one year, but. It had already been a whole year. Okay. All right, got it. Got it. Anyway, so today's topic is misconceptions of blindness. So I'll let you take this one. Okay. Wow. Um, Where do I start? So for those who don't know or may not know, um, I am considered legally blind, um, even though I may not quote-unquote, look like it or appear that way, but I am legally blind. I've been technically considered legally blind or visually impaired since I was about 10 years old, um, which is when I was initially diagnosed, even though I had been visually impaired my entire life, but yeah, didn't get Officially diagnosed, I was about 10 years old, and then um, just went from there. But I guess I can um, start from the beginning, because I do find um, these stories quite fascinating. And you guys out there can decide for yourselves if you think it's coincidence, or if you think God was showing signs. Um, So I'll start with the fact that with my mom, um, growing up, she always told me that she just felt a sense or sign that 
she knew or maybe she kind of figured out that I would be legally blind or visually impaired. Um, so first my mom told me a story about her godmother. What do you mean like intuition? Not like the doctors told her. No. Right. It was more like she just, I guess because of a series of events, it just seemed like maybe she was just being told something from God. At least that's where her words were. Because she told me about her godmother, who was a woman who was totally blind. And she always found it fascinating with how she got around, how she did things. And didn't understand how could she do it if she didn't have sight. But then when she became pregnant with me, she told me about how she watched an episode of um, Highway to Heaven with Michael Landon and how he was a counselor at a camp for blind children. She said it just stuck in her mind like, oh my goodness, I'm pregnant with a child. I hope my child doesn't come out to be blind. Well, when I was born, she told me that um, the first thing she asked the nurse when I was born was, you know, can he see? And the nurse said yes. But then from there, um, I would say when I was about six months old, I had developed this condition called nystagmus. Now, some people may have heard of it, some may not have heard of it. But nystagmus, which is spelled N-Y-S-T-A-G-M-U-S, it's a condition where it basically causes rapid eye movement. That's really what it means. Even though in reality, everybody's eyes move, but with nystagmus, it moves significantly more or faster, causing distortions and things to look weird or things to look just off and it really throws things off for someone who is visually impaired um, to the point where you really can't see it and it takes you longer to read and things like that so from there then I was eight months old and started wearing glasses from what my mom had told me and What's funny is that nystagmus, my, yeah, my nystagmus went away when I was four. And I know this because when I was four, my eyes did not really move at all. Like, I saw a lot better compared to how I see now, but it, it was still kind of blurry. So, you know, it's just weird like that. But then when I was about 12, it came back and... I actually developed floaters, which is another term, just means, you know, it looks like little white spots or little white, little lights that just kind of float around in a cluster in your field of view, which kind of helps me draw an analogy to help, to help people understand um, what my field of view looks like. So to give you the analogy, it's like, if you guys can remember the box TVs and when there wasn't a clear picture had what they call snow and how it was just fuzzy and all this snow going around. That's what my eyes look, that's what I see when I look at things. 
Um, but imagine that snowy or that snow on the TV screen and it kind of moves around in a circular motion. That's how my field of view looks like. But so you see color because the snow is black and white. Right. Right? I, right, right. I see color, exactly. I do. So it's not like I see everything in black and white, like how the snow on the TV screen picture was. But, yeah, I do see color, but essentially because the floaters are in a cluster, that's what it kind of looks like, and that's the best way I can describe the floaters. So because of those floaters and then the stagmas being back, it's it's really kind of thrown things off and kind of made it distorted. But I can still see things, and I see colors just... Harder to see slash I have to get up close because I'm what's called nearsighted, which means whenever you look at something, in order for you to see it better or clearer, you have to get up close to it. Um, Because the thing that a lot of people don't understand about blindness is is levels to it. When someone, because I'm considered legally blind, which means that based on my acuity, I am not able to do things, well, I'm not able to do things in a way that someone who's fully sighted can do. Like, I can still do things, but I might need certain equipment or assistance, basically. And acuity is like when they say you have 20-20 vision, that's your acuity. Right. Because people might not know what that means. Because usually, if you... I don't know. They don't really use that word too much. I feel like even when you're a glasses wearer, maybe I'm, I don't even wear glasses. So maybe it's just me, but I never heard that word too much before you. I mean, I understood what it meant in context, but being like acuity is just not something that I used often or like even heard at the doctor's office. Yeah. And I think, or optometrist. And I think for me, like I, I heard it, so much because of so many eye doctor appointments and eye specialist appointments and things like that, that it just comes out of my mouth so naturally that, you know, in my mind, I I guess I tend to believe that a lot of people have heard it or know what it means. But yeah, essentially your cutie just means, yeah, if it's 2020, um, some people like my mom, hers was... 2040, um, which really means that what you see at 20 feet, you know, someone else can see at 40 feet the way that doctors have explained it to me. So sounds weird is all these different numbers, but yeah. So for me, my field of view or my vision or acuity would be Last I checked, in my left eye, it was 20 over 800. I know that's a huge number. (laughs) And then in my right eye, it was, I think, the last time they tested, it was like 20 over 1,000. Really? I don't remember it being that big. But I think that was from... But that was like maybe oh that was definitely over well over a year ago, but that could have been too because with you know taking my vitamins and working on the computer things like that could have definitely um, stressed it things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, 
and I'm and I know at the time I was stressed and going through a lot emotionally, so that can also affect um, the acuity as well when they go and test it, believe it or not. So, but that's what it was tested the last time. But in general, it's usually between in my left eye twenty over six hundred, and in my right eye is twenty over eight hundred. So, simply put, that means in my left eye, what I see, I mean, what, what is it? So, what you see at 20 feet away, or what I can see at 20 feet away, you can see at 600 feet away. And then in my right. Right, because I think you said it backwards the last time. Yeah, I was going to ask back- you, but then I heard. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I said like, it maybe backwards. maybe I got it wrong. <laughs> no, I said it backwards. So, yeah, oh, okay. what I see at 20 feet, you can see from 600 feet away. Right. So if you were st- if I was standing 600 feet and looking at a picture and I was 600 feet away from the picture, if you were 20 feet away, that's about what it would look like to you. Right? right. Exactly. You would be seeing kind of the same image. Exactly. Right. So that's that's the thing with acuity and when they say legally blind that's part of it where based on law whatever your acuity or vision level falls at then you're considered to be blind or legally blind meaning that again you might require some assistance or like in my situation I'm not able to drive so you know because the law considers me to be blind even though I still have vision and I can see everything is just not clear and I have to get up close to really see it. But when you think about somebody who's totally blind, even people who are totally blind can still see shapes or shadows, light. They're not necessarily like in complete darkness, even though I know that's the idea that we often get in our minds when we think about blindness, but that's not always the case. I would say that's... It's not an all-or-nothing situation. There's levels to it, and everyone's experience is a bit different. Because vision is really on a spectrum when you think about it. And the best comparison or another analogy, because I love using analogies, would be like when you have lights and you have settings on those lights you can go from bright you can go to dim or you can go dark it's not always on or off if you know depending on if you you know have certain settings and things like that but you can set it to a certain point or like a dimmer or a dim- thank like you slowly creep up to the brightest slowly creep down to blackness. and that's a and that's and that's perfect because like with the dimmer, like you said, you can adjust it to a point where it can be just enough brightness but still be dim. And that's kind of how vision is. You can have just enough light but still slightly, you know, dim. For me, I have a lot of light, but if I'm going to use the dimmer uh, dimmer analogy, I would say it's slightly dim meaning that there are just going to be things that are not all the way clear you now just need more light right exactly to see it clearer 
Exactly. Yeah. Because, for example, like when it comes to nighttime, there is such a thing called night blindness, and I do deal with night blindness, meaning that when it's nighttime, and say if we had a, if we leave in the movie theater, and we're in a parking lot, but say there's not too many lights out in the mo- in the parking lot, even though that really hasn't been the case. But let's say if there wasn't many lights illuminating the parking lot, then essentially I, I really can't see, and I hold on to my wife's arm as she guides me because essentially I I can't really see you know, was all the way around me if it's, like, complete blackness. Now, if there's light and it's illuminating the parking lot, then, yeah, I can I can definitely see that. But I still might need help anyway because, like I said, it's, it's dark. And the darker it is, probably the more assistance or the more help I would need. You know? Okay. Well, what are some misconceptions you would say? So definitely, like, that is zero. It's all or nothing. That's not true. Right, that's not true. This is definitely... It's levels. It's levels of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. What else? Well, for one, I mean, also another misconception is that some people seem to think that if a person, and we've talked about this... <laughs> I have my own uh, experiences... And I have less patience with them. He has so much patience, but I try. Is and it's so it's so it's so common. But a lot of people seem to think if you don't see well, or if you're visually impaired, legally blind, that you don't hear well either. So stupid. It's I'm like sorry. when <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, it's so ridiculous. It's like when one sense kind of is depleted or is not functioning well, then all of a sudden, I guess your other senses aren't functioning well either, but that's that's not how it works. And you know what? I was thinking about this because we've talked about it several times on several occasions. The only thing that I can come to the conclusion of is that maybe because sometimes if they don't directly address you, you don't realize that they're talking to you. So then they think maybe you can't hear them. So then they talk louder. Right. And when it's the case that they didn't like really address you directly, they just started talking and maybe looking your way. But depending on how far away they are from you, you can't tell that they're looking at you. So then they think you can't hear them. So then they talk louder. That's the only thing. But even it's not always the case, though. Sometimes they just outright be talking loud once you tell them that you're visually impaired. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's, it's so crazy. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. The it's like, yeah, now my eyes, I mean, now my ears don't work well because you yelled in them. <laughs> <laughs> Stop yelling. My ears are fine. Yeah. People, people are funny. The things that a lot of us think about in associating connect things with is, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, that's definitely one of the most common misconceptions, that if one sense is off or not functioning right, then the other ones aren't functioning. But in reality, when, for example, like for myself, actually my senses 
get more energy and attention through, you know, my my body, my brain, and I'm able to rely on those other senses to the point where um, some people may call it keen senses, but the thing is, they're not necessarily keen per se, but I guess in a way you could say they're stronger because I do rely on them and use them more. Like maybe trained better, just how yeah. like the army can train people to, you know, have just more keen sense of whatever, interrogation and body language and read that. Like you kind of have a natural, I mean, because of life experience, you had to tap into it. Right. And people are just so reliant on their vision that they don't tap into, you know, other senses the way that they possibly could. So is that what you're saying? Like, it's not necessarily that you innately, like, have it better than someone else. You just, through experience in life, you've had to rely on it. Right. And, you know, one example that I always think is so hilarious to me is um, growing up, well, especially when I became a teenager, I used to tell my friends and even my family, like, you know, when we're on the phone, I can hear when you smile. And they're like, wait, what? It just went over their head. I'm like, no, I can hear when you smile. When you are actually smiling while speaking, your voice changes. But if you're not paying attention or focused or I guess in my case, made to pay attention and be more aware and using more energy with those other senses, you're going to easily miss it. Mm -hmm. It's something that you learn over time because, again, when one sense goes bad or it's not working right, then you got to rely on those other senses. So, Somebody once told me, Sorry to interject, but about the smiling thing. I think previous to this person telling me this, I probably would have thought you were like crazy or lying too. But I think I told you this customer service or whatever, or any any type of situation you're in that you might not want to be talking to the person. If you smile intentionally, like if you force a smile when you're on the phone, it sounds happier. You can't, like it, it's, it's a certain sound that it produces when you smile that will help you from sounding less irritated that you may be if you are working in customer service or just dealing with people that irritate your soul and you want to not uh, come off so dry or uninterested. Yeah. No, it's definitely true. And now I can tell. But before that, yeah, I had no idea you could hear a smile. No, for sure. Yeah. You can hear, oh yeah, I can hear smiles. You can definitely hear some people smiling um and then when it comes to touch i can really distinguish between different materials or whatever it is that i'm feeling to the point sometimes it can be kind of annoying or maybe a little nerve-wracking or i want to well Sometimes it could be a little nerve, make you a little scared or nervous because, you know, you can really distinguish between what you're feeling, but at the same time, some things may feel similar to something that you felt before that wasn't, you know, something pleasant. So you have to 
kind of really discern what different things are that's coming across your hands or your fingertips and things like that. But I can definitely say my sense of touch is probably stronger than a lot of people that I know because I can just feel like, oh, yeah, that's cotton. Oh, yeah, that's silk. Or, you know, that's just simple examples. But, I mean, there are different things I, I've, I've touched and felt and can tell you what it is. Like, oh, yeah, that's what that is. And then... Um, I would say my sense of taste. I know for me, um, when I eat certain food, I can tell based on the texture of how it tastes. I can tell different seasonings or different flavors. Not with every single thing, but most things I, I, I'm pretty good at. Um, even when I drink beer, because I'm a beer aficionado at this point, uh, I, I enjoy drinking it and I can tell the differences with the barley and the different hops and all of that. Like I can just tell and distinguish the ingredients that's in beer. So, you know, that, that comes, to me it's a benefit of being visually impaired. It's really a benefit. I think it's cool always jokingly say, well not always, but sometimes I jokingly will say to some people like, yeah, it's my superpowers. <laughs> um, but another misconception that I'm thinking of is, oh, a lot of people seem to think that if you have one sensory based condition that it affects your brain. Oh, yeah. To the point, now, Okay, so because with, and I didn't even mention, so before I go there, let me just say this. So at 16, I was diagnosed with what's called retinitis pigmentosa. I know that's a mouthful, so most people, including my doctors, we just say RP. Um, and what that is, is it's a degenerative eye disease that causes you to go blind over time, usually affecting your peripheral than your central. So, now granted, the retinas are connected to the brain. Okay, get that. But a lot of people seem to think that if you have a vision impairment or you're blind, that you do not function well, cognitively speaking. So, in other words, you're you know, mentally challenged. You don't know how to comprehend. You don't know how to read. You just are pretty much um, considered slow. And that's not true. In fact, I would argue there's a lot of people like myself or who are totally blind that are highly intelligent because they do rely on their brains. As a matter of fact, like myself, I rely heavily on my memory for things. And my wife can tell you that I remember a lot of things, especially things that most people wouldn't even bother to remember. Now, why I do, I don't purposefully go out my way to remember it. It's just, I think I'm just in a habit of 
using my memory so much that my brain just naturally stores it. It's like it just takes a picture and keeps it in the memory bank. So, for example, yeah, I can tell you different events that happened to me when I was three. I can tell you things that happened to me yesterday and years ago. I can't. <laughs> I forget everything. And three, no way. I, and I will say, I, I think I have a, well, photographic, we call it, but um, I believe the scientific term is idiographic. Idi- I can't remember, but anyway. I, you know, I always believed I had a photographic memory, but I think, like I say, it comes from using a lot of the energy that I, the average person would use with sight, I use in my brain. I use with my other senses. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for it. I'm appreciative. But, yeah, like people who are dealing with blindness or visual impairment are not slow or have issues comprehending and reading and speech issues. That's not that's not true. Yes, there are some people who may have some of those issues, but that's not in straight connection with vision impairment or blindness. At least from my experience and the research that I've come across. That's not that's not the case. Yeah. So I will say that from my experience as the partner of someone who is visually impaired, for instance, one day we went to urgent care, and this is pretty recent, so I'm still pretty just perturbed about it. Um, You know, he lets them know that he's visually impaired and that, you know, I'm his guide as well as his wife, and, you know, that I'm going to be going back with him even though, you know, they have the COVID regulations and things, but he needs a guide. And so I don't know what, however that registered in this. Um, he was a nurse, I believe, not a doctor, but um, in his brain, all of a sudden he translated that as Chris cannot speak for himself. He must ask his wife, his guide, all the questions because he cannot speak to Chris about them because for whatever reason he must have thought he couldn't answer for himself so you know he's asking me things like is he on any medication Chris is sitting right there on the patient table ask him why are you asking me like these are things that you know and this is not the first time and it's not in certain realms it's always like it's I won't say always but it's like It's never like a consistent place like, oh, yeah, if we go here or this type of setting, you can guarantee they're going to act this way. No, it's like people from all different backgrounds, education levels. Obviously, we're talking to a nurse here. You know, you would think in a medical setting, they'd be a little more knowledgeable than maybe, you know, at the neighborhood card table. Everybody playing cards at the table in the neighborhood, you know, but no, it's the same. So those are things that I think is a misconception is that just because someone may need a guide because of their visual impairment doesn't mean that the guide is there to do anything besides literally get them to the chair, 
make sure they don't run into a wall or trip over something that they may not see. Other than that, that is the only job of the guy. They're not an interpreter. They're not um, a guardian. They are nothing but the guide, unless otherwise specified. But if somebody just says they need a guide, that's it. The, the person that is visually impaired can completely comprehend can completely speak for themselves, all those things, the only thing they cannot do is possibly make it to the next, you know, room or wherever you're going to their destination safely because they cannot see well. That's it. That's all. So it's super rude to the person, I think, anyway. Chris kind of, I think, just looks over his like, he's not like, once again, he's you, he has more experience because it's his life, his entire life. But for me, you know, I mean, we've been together a, a little minute now, quite a few years, but it's still more new for me. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. And I mean, I have experience dealing with the deaf community previous to uh, meeting Chris. So, you know, the deaf community and the visually impaired or blind community is different. Um, However, some of the things, you know, they have some similarities and that would be like the same of a deaf person. If they have an interpreter with them just because they need to communicate that way does not mean you talk to the interpreter. You talk to the person and the interpreter lets them know what you're saying and you look at the person, you direct the question, you you talk to the person, not to the interpreter. It's like the same thing. You talk to the person. You don't talk to the guide. No, because, I mean, yes, I'm his wife, but he could have a hired person that doesn't know anything about him personally. All they're there to do is make sure he gets to his destination safely. So you don't know all the time, and it doesn't matter, but you don't know who this guide is to the person. So you talk to the person, period, unless otherwise instructed. So... You know, this nurse was definitely not instructed to talk to me. It was just, this is my guide. Um, And, I mean, he probably figured it out. But still, no. I don't care what you think you know. You know what you're told, and you go accordingly. It's rude. So don't have a misconception that they can't speak for themselves and that you need to talk to their guide as if they are a child. Unless they are a child, then that's a different story. But we're talking about adults here. So no. Mm-mm. They're completely capable of speaking for themselves. Yeah. And that's definitely a yeah, misconception that, you know, if we don't see well, all of a sudden we get grouped and labeled into uh, a pool of people who have various disabilities and uh, it's just really sad that in 2021 you know this is still a thing but I, I think it comes from the fact that you know in American culture in American society I think the and I think we talked about this you know I think the biggest issue is that America teaches people like myself, people with other disabilities, how to, quote-unquote, adapt and adjust to everyone else. 
yet America has yet to teach everyone else how to adapt and adjust with us. And I think that's the biggest issue, you know. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, me being visually impaired, learning to adapt and adjust. Like, I've been adapting and adjusting my entire life, so that's that's a no-brainer for me. It's just, I think we would have less issues like when you mentioned about the, the situation with the nurse. I think we would have less of that if there was more education on how to encounter and deal with people like myself. Yeah, and it's not, I mean, I wasn't saying this to like invoke anxiety like, oh my gosh, okay, I don't want to do anything wrong. Like, oh, walk on eggshells. Oh, can't say this, can't say that. Just like I find a lot of people when they say like, when they're around a visually impaired person and they talk about, um, like, or just say phrases that include the word blind in it. Like or like, right. Or different things that you may say that say like, oh, see that or see this. Or, oh, oh gosh. Like, like I can see it clearly. Oh gosh. Can I not say that phrase around him because he can't see clearly? Like it gets ridiculous, but I prefer those people a little bit that are trying to be cautious personally anyway. I mean, I know I'm not visually impaired, but being the partner of someone that's visually impaired, I obviously encounter my own set of annoyances. And because for me right now, where I'm at, it just is annoyances. I'm sorry. That's just how I see it. But um, like that, people are like, oh, can I say that? That's how I see it. You know? <clears throat> anyway, uh, I'd rather that over people who just don't care and just do ridiculous things, but um, not trying to invoke anxiety, but it's just like, you know, be yourself. Maybe ask a question. Like, I don't think questions, at least, well, it depends on who it is. You can't speak for everybody, but I know for you, you prefer, or it seems you prefer that people ask instead of just assume and do stupid stuff. Yeah, just ask questions i'm more than glad to share my experience i mean i think it's pretty cool but you know not everybody may feel that way and that's totally fine but my thing is you know just ask questions isn't there's no harm there's nothing wrong but i think there's also i think this also is in connection with what i was just saying a minute ago that you know when people who have different conditions or situations it seems like, at least from my personal experience, people who may not have to deal with it or experience it or have anybody in their family that experience it, they're so antisocial to it that they don't know what to say or do and they're afraid of it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of fear, but I think that's just how our, how, how our society has always been. It's like those people are not quote-unquote normal or there's something dealing there's something going on with them so they always find a way to stratify or separate people and i think when you have you know a vision impairment or blindness is like oh i don't understand and it's just easier for people to just ignore write it off because you don't understand and you weren't forced or taught to try to understand or educated to have some general knowledge of how it is, but I think, you know, that should apply to any situation or any condition. So, I don't know, it may be because of my personal experience being visually impaired my entire life. I've always been more open to 
talking and communicating with people of any type of sensory-based condition or any type of what is considered a disability. You know, it's like, hello, like this is, like I said, 2021. Shouldn't we be past this by now? Like, why is this still a... Or at least not this far behind. Yeah. You know, this not caught up. But I think it just depends on where you're from, too. Like, I think there's certain areas that are just better equipped because, I mean, the lifestyle is different. Mm -hmm. I mean, as far as the status quo norm, you know, it's not our quote-unquote norm. Um, But certain environments have more you know, understanding and are more uh, equipped with the things that will just make life simple for you. Because I think it's all about, like, making life simple. Like, the things that we have or that are, uh, um, what am I trying to say? Things that are instated because of, like, the, the stat, like what's considered normal. For instance, what I mean is, like, like a crosswalk. Because most people are sighted, supposedly, I guess. I don't know facts on that. But I would say, you know, it's made for, the crosswalk is made for somebody that's sighted because most people that encounter that crosswalk are probably sighted. So I think if none of us were sighted, if sight wasn't a thing, crosswalks wouldn't be constructed that way. So people always think of it as like something extra that has to be done, but really it's, I mean, when it was created, it just wasn't uh, made complete, in my opinion, Right. you know? And so, yeah, like if you go to certain places like at Michigan State, the crosswalks talk. It tells you when it's, when you can't walk and what street it is, what street you're on. And so it talks. And then when you, when you can cross it, it, um... You know, it, it lets you know you can cross and which way you can cross because a lot of the intersections are four-way and stuff. So it, it's a talking a talking crosswalk. And honestly, I just thought, oh, cool. They have, like, a cool... I didn't even think of it as, like, for people who, you know, are visually impaired. It really took me a while. And I know that sounds silly, but, like, I just hadn't had much experience. So um, I just thought, wow, a cool cool technology just to be different or something, you know, like it's just extra and it's cool, but no, it's because somebody who might not be able to see that crosswalk will still know when they can and cannot cross, you know, if they don't have to rely on other people and seeing what other people are doing or listening to what other people are doing and listening for a car or whatever, they can know that, you know, the crosswalk is saying go, the crosswalk is saying stop, you know? So different things like that. Yeah, and just to emphasize the point of relying on sight and to the point where relying heavily on sight. Um, I remember my cognitive psychology class when I was an undergrad. I remember reading in the textbook. It always stuck out to me. It said 85% of the information that we as human beings learn is accounted through our eyes. Which means we rely on our eyes eighty for eighty five percent of the things that we know. I mean, really think about that. That means 
the other, what, 15% comes from other senses, but 85% of it is through sight. So I just, you know, I find it amazing that um, we rely so heavily to the point where the idea, but it makes sense, after reading that statistic, it makes sense. You know, I find it so amazing that we won't use more of different things to kind of gauge our information, our knowledge. Because, I mean, we get information through our sense, other senses as well. It's just that, like I said, because we are so used to being able to see it, it's like, what do we need to really use touch and smell for like that? It used to impress my mom how I was able to um, feel something and know exactly what it was without looking at it or to be able to taste something and tell you verbatim what was in it. Like, she was impressed with that because for her, it was like she wasn't good at doing that. But, you know, it. I think it helped educate her like I'm sure it's helped educate some other people who've gotten to know me and experience different things with me that, you know, you, you don't have to just use your sight. I mean, if you're used to using it, you're used to using it, and that's just what it is. However, there are different ways you can gather information and get so much out of life experiences that it doesn't always require sight. Yeah. So, any other misconceptions, dear? Um, or maybe we can stop it here, and then if people have more questions, yeah. or we can do a part two if you think of more. Yeah, probably do a part two if I yeah. think of some. But yeah, if you guys have any questions or want to know more or know more of my actual experiences, you know, feel free to reach out, comment, message us, like, let us know. Yeah. I'll be more than glad to share my experiences and what it's been like for me. I mean, I can tell you, uh, uh, oh, yeah, one misconception is for school, you know. Oh, I'm, gosh. The, the whole idea of, oh, my goodness, if you can't see well, how can you actually do work? How do you do homework? How do you do papers? Believe it or not, I write my own. I wrote my own papers. <laughs> yes, I used a computer. I used Microsoft Word. I put it at 22 font, and I was able to calculate and figure out, okay, at 22 font, three pages of text equal one full page. So then I just did the math. So when it came time for me to do a 10 15 I've even done a 20 page paper in college I did it did it fine got full credit passed earned three degrees so it's it's not impossible just because I don't see well but that was definitely another misconception to the point where my professors didn't say it like that but I know they were probably thinking it because they never had a student like me until they met me, or maybe they had one other student like myself, but that was probably it. Right. And then they were just shocked and amazed, and they, they what could what could they do? Because I, I proved it. 
And I would just implore people who don't like know to just own that you don't know. And that's okay for a while, but educate yourself by asking questions. So, you know, I, I've heard in different settings, like people coming up with their own conclusions about, you know, Chris, because he's visually impaired and making it like their truth. And it's like, well, no, that's not the truth. And if you would have just asked, you would have known like, well, I didn't ask him to do that. Or I didn't um, tell him this, or I just didn't even bother to, you know, notify him about that because some, whatever, fill in the blank, something connected to him being visually impaired. Like, well, no, he, he could have done that if you would have just asked. And this is the way he'd probably go about it. It's not that it can't get done. It's that it just gets done differently. The process to getting to the same result is different, but the result is the same. So um, that would just be my personal charge for someone who just who may come in contact with or whatever have just not sure and they come in contact with someone who's visually impaired just ask it's really that simple don't just draw your own conclusions about stuff like oh well I didn't we we denied you from this program because we just didn't know how you'd get through it oh yeah I experienced that applying for grad school right like what well, maybe like yeah, you everything looks good, but this is what's on the table. Is is there a way that you'd be able to complete these tasks? Then if he said no, then be like, sorry, you have to be able to do that. You know, if it was like, are you going to be able to drive around the country by yourself? You know, we can't allow anyone else in the car with you or something ridiculous like that. Then no, he probably wouldn't be able to do that. But come on, like, be real. Just ask. Don't just think, oh well. Visually impaired, he can't do it. How do you know? You don't. And that's limiting someone. That happens all the time. But in lots of cases, not just with visually impaired. But today we're talking about visual impairments and blindness. So I'll, I'll stay on that road. But, um, yeah, just ask. Absolutely. And so let us know if you want to know more. If you want to hear something else from Chris or me, I guess. Um or the both of us, uh, we'll be happy to make another episode about this. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, I guess this is about the time where we do a quote. Yes. Do you have a quote? <clears throat> you know, well, actually, I do. It's more of a sentimental quote, but one that just means a lot to me. Because it's something that I came up with based on my personal experience. And that is, you know, to understand the depths of the soul, you must go beyond the surface of the heart. So in order to really understand what someone experiences, what they go through, how it makes them feel, you got to go beyond the surface of how they may present themselves sometimes. You know, we fall into that trap of getting to know somebody and however they present themselves initially it's like oh oh yeah they're just a nice person oh man they just I don't know they're boring or whatever but there's there's usually a story behind that so you really have to go beyond just 
seeing how a person is initially or on the outside and really get to know them intrinsically and find out who they are inside. And I think, you know, that's relevant to, for me, like you said, a lot of people don't want to ask sometimes or they just assume things about me with my condition. It's like, no, you, you can ask questions. I'm not going to be offended. I prefer you ask questions. So, yeah, just ask and you might find out things that you probably didn't know or was possible. Okay. Yeah. Good one, boo. Um, and so we can do a little bit of our song associ- association game. If you remember the rules to this, you say a word and the other person has 10 seconds to sing a song with that word in it, like a line from a song. Okay. All right. So we'll just do two each because this was kind of a long podcast. So. Yeah. Who first? Ladies first. So I give you? Yeah. Or you give me? You give me one. Okay. In lieu of today's episode, blind. Blinded by the lights. <laughs> That's the only part I know. That's fine. Oh. That's enough. Okay. And for you, I'm going to say heart. There's an icebox where my heart hey. used to be. icebox. <laughs> My heart used to be, oh, oh. I'm so cold, I'm so cold, I'm so cold. Oh, oh. I'm so cold, I'm so cold, I'm so cold. <laughs> you can sign us, whatever, whoever's listening, if you want to sign us, we're ready. Yay, yay. <laughs> okay, my turn. Um, puzzle. Ten. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Ah, that was hard. Yeah, I got you. Woo, woo, woo. Oh, okay. Well, your word is drums. Drums. And the beat keep drumming, drumming, and running, running. Oh, wait, it's not drumming. Oh, shit. I mean, excuse Ten, me. Oh, shoot. Nine, eight, oh, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Oh, today's a tie. Fine. No tiebreaker. We'll just leave it at a tie today. Thank you for listening. Make sure you rate and review if you like what you hear. Also, like, subscribe, comment, and share with a friend. See ya.